church to lift up the name of the Lord at our 1030 service. I said our first service, we had a lot of folks come in faith last night. You know, Resurrection Sunday's today, and they came last night, about 700 folks last night to celebrate Resurrection Sunday on Saturday. But amen, it was a great time last night. So 16 people respond and give their heart to the Lord. God is just so good, so awesome. Let me remind you, those those postcards in your bulletin, that's for you to be able to give to your friends and family. Uh, they may be dealing with devastation. I'm beginning a brand new series today called Dealing with Devastation. I've encountered devastation. You've encountered devastation. We've all dealt with tragedy in our life. And we're going to look for the next several weeks at God's Word that offers hope, that also uh, gives us answers and solutions to life's problems. So it's going to be an incredible time in God's Word. If you're a guest today, can I just say welcome. We're so glad that you're here to worship the Lord with us here at People's Church. And if you would do us a favor, attached to your bulletin is a communication card. If you would just fill that out completely right now, or rip it off. At the end of the service, just drop it in the offering bucket. We just want to get to know you a little bit better, see how we can minister to you, to your life, to your family. So thanks for doing that. And also, if you're a guest, immediately follow the service. Just drop out in the foyer. At any of the three tables there in the foyer, you can pick up a guest packet. has lots of literature about the church. has a CD of the vision that I preach uh, about People's Church. So we want you to learn a lot about what the Lord is doing here at People's Church. So please pick that up at the end of the service. As I said, today is dealing with devastation. And I have a very simple title today. My title is Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And I'm going to talk to you from a very popular portion of Scripture in the Bible today. And we're going to unpack some truths from this Scripture that's going to be so helpful to my life, to your life, that's going to enhance your relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, early on in life, I I really was exposed to the world's ways. Early on in life, I actually bought in to, to the world's ways and doing things the, the world's ways. And the reason I bought into doing things the world's ways is just because I was exposed to it early on in life. There, there was somebody very influential in my life that I highly respected, that I thought the world of. And this individual actually believed and actually vocalized this. This individual believed that 90% of a marriage is sex. And all the men say, Amen. Yeah, yeah, well, I don't want your wife to poke you to you right now. Amen. And that, that's just not the truth. I'm married. Many of you are married. That's just not the truth. That's a worldly way of thinking. That's a, a worldly idea to enter a marriage relationship with that kind of thinking. And of course, today that, that individuals divorce their, their relationships are not, it's not going very well because that is just not right thinking. It is worldly thinking. I remember one of my cousins who was quite a bit older than me and my, my brother. We kind of respected him. Whenever he would come, he would always have some kind of fancy car and just look, had the nicest clothes, and we just kind of respected him. At the time, I didn't know what was going on, but he was a drug dealer. And I remember one day he showed up, me and my brother, we were outside mowing the yard uh, there in Wewoka, and he pulled up in his fancy car. Mom and Dad were in the house. They didn't know he was talking to us, and he was talking to us, and he pulled out a wad of money. I mean a thick wad of money. I think, I think he even had a rubber band around it. And I remember my cousin throwing it down on the ground. <clears throat> that big wad of money hit the ground. Me and my brother looked at each other, and we both tried to reach down and grab it. He said, don't you touch that money. And you know what he was conveying to me and my brother? He was conveying that life's all about the money. Life's all about the bling, bling. Do whatever you got to do to get it, whether you got to kill somebody, whether you got to sell drugs, whether you got to murder. No matter what you have to do, just get the money. Life's all about the 
money. And I remember buying into the world's way of thinking. I, I remember growing up and we woke and going to junior high. And of course, in junior high, you know, watching my classmates and people at school in junior high, life was all about having a girlfriend. I mean, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. If you got to have me a boyfriend, got to have me a girlfriend. And I remember sitting in class because I had bought into this thing that life's all about having a girl. I got to have a girlfriend passing that note in class. You know, you'd have that note. Some of you probably did this too in junior high. I wrote a note and I'd say, do you like me? Check yes or no. And I said, hey, man, hey, psst, psst. And they'd pass the note to her. She'd open it up and she'd check the box and send it back to me. And I'd look at it and say, oh, she said yes. So, you know, then the next row in junior high, you write, will you go with me? Now, you, you don't remember that, do you? You don't, you don't even know what that means, you know. That, that, that means will you be my girlfriend? You know, will you go with me? Go where? I mean, but in junior high, you know what that means. Will you go with me? Hey, psst, psst, pass it back to her. Yes or no? Because, I mean, you've got to have a girlfriend. You, you've got to have a boyfriend in, in junior high. And I bought into the way uh, of the world and, and worldly thinking, and I ended up engaging in sex in high school. I ended up pumping my mind full of filth and full of junk. And it didn't take me very long to figure out that the world's way never pays off. And today we're going to be dealing with the prodigal son. In Luke chapter 15, and this young man bought into the world's way of thinking. Matter of fact, Scripture says he went to his father and he asked his father for his share of the estate. He wanted his portion, his money, but he went for all the wrong reasons. He went for all the wrong motives. Somehow, some way, this young man had warped thinking. He had worldly thinking and he wanted this money. He wanted those possessions. He wanted those resources, not for the kingdom of God, not to advance God's purposes, but he wanted them for a worldly, wild loose purpose. And I want to pick up with you and give you four lessons from the prodigal son, four lessons we learn about the world's ways, four lessons I want to convey to you about the world's ways from the prodigal son. If you have your bulletin with you, you can take notes and fill in the blank there. There's a place for you there on the back page there to fill in the blanks. Number one, the world's way puts distance between us and God. Distance between us and God. Look with me in Luke chapter 15, verse number 13. Scripture says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country. Everybody say distant country. I really want you to catch this. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. This young man left his father's house to live a wild and a loose lifestyle, you see. And and the thing that's very interesting to me, as the Bible says this young man, because he wanted to live wild, he wanted to live a loose lifestyle, the Bible says that this young man ended up in a distant country. His wild lifestyle separated him from his father. His wild lifestyle put distance between him and his father. And here's what you have to understand when you, whenever you get engaged in the worldly ways and worldly thinking, whenever you get involved in sin, it always put dis, puts distance between you and your heavenly father. It always will separate you from you and your heavenly father. That's what sin does. It does not benefit your relationship with Christ. It only brings distance and stops you from having a vibrant relationship with God. You know, my, my boys, my wife and little girl, we were at the store one day a month or two ago, and 
I don't really care to shop, but the time I do like to shop is when they're having a 75% off sale with an extra 30%. Oh, brother likes to shop then. And so I was excited to shop. I was like a kid in the candy store, all these sales in this department store. And so I was looking through the racks and I had my little boys right with me. And I, they, they like to play around the racks and play high and go seek. And so I said, hey, guys, daddy's going to look at these clothes, but I want you just, you can play high and go seek around this one rack. Don't you go further than this one rack. And I'm looking. I got caught up for about 15 seconds looking at the clothes and checking out the prices and checking out uh, the size of the shirts and, and I looked back down and I didn't see my boys I didn't hear my boys and I began to freak out I said Kel, Kane, Kel, Kane where are you guys at and about a second later Kel pops up I see him but I don't see my little guy he's going to turn two years old in May I don't see little Cade I'm going Cade where are you and the lady in the department store people are looking at me like I'm losing my mind but I cannot find my boy I said Cade where are you Cade where are you I'm looking behind the racks and, and Cade about two or three racks away he pokes his head out like this I think boy I'm going to knock you out see he thought he was cute <laughs> he thought he was funny and see, what my son did not understand, listen, dad has a little bit more knowledge than you. And I'm not trying to be a thrill killer. I'm not trying to stop you from having fun. I have your best interest in mind. And the reason I put boundaries around you and told you not to go further from one rack, you don't understand. There are crazy people out here. And somebody will snatch you up. I'm trying to keep you near to me so that I can protect you. And if I can protect you, if somebody takes you from me, you won't enjoy my blessings. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to protect you. But if you try to do things your own way and run away from daddy, these clothes rack but distance between me and you and there's going to be and there's going to be trouble and many of us are just like Cade when it comes to our relationship with God we want to do things our own way live life our own way and we kind of look at God and go and what you have to understand is when you do things your, things your own way when you live a lifestyle that's loose and full of sin all it does is put distance between you and your heavenly father and you won't enjoy the most meaningful relationship that you're supposed to have on this earth. And that's with your heavenly Father. There's a second thing that I want you to understand. A second lesson we learn about the world's way. Number two is this. The world's way always equals loss. Always equals loss. Or another way we could say it is the world's way always brings loss. The Bible says in Luke 15, verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. That word squandered means he wasted or he lost everything in wild living. Notice this. This young man lost it all in living a loose and a wild lifestyle. His wild and loose lifestyle brought nothing but pain and hurt. It did not pay off. Whenever you live a wild and a loose lifestyle, it never adds to your life. It just always subtracts. It never brings benefit and blessings to your life. It only brings death and destruction. The Bible says it like this in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, or that would be the price of sin. It's simply death. Sin, understand that sin always equals death. No matter how good it looks, how good it feels, sin equals death. Every single time, it just brings destruction. And you know what? I just don't like dead stuff. I don't like dead stuff in my house. just don't like to be around dead stuff. Matter of fact, when I grew up and we woke Oklahoma, 
little small town, about 4,000. I'm really a country boy. I know some of you are city slickers, and you grew up in Oklahoma City or, or Dallas, and you moved here to Oklahoma, here, and you, you kind of like the big city. I'm a country boy, and I'm just trying to fake y'all out and act like I'm a city. But I'm a country boy at heart. And growing up in a small town there, we had cows and so on and so forth, hauling hay. And in the house sometimes there would be some mice and rats that would get into, into the house. And I don't like mice. I don't like rats but I'd rather have mice and rats over roaches. Can you say amen? That's, I'm going to get the best amen out of you on that one. Hey, don't like them roaches? I'll take me some mice any day over some roaches. But I hate mice in our family. We didn't like mice, so mom and dad would get some mouse traps and we'd put them out. And, and, and the thing that I really liked, I don't know what it was called, but they were these green pellets. And we'd put them inside of these little cupcake little holders and we'd put them around the house, put them around the, behind the refrigerator and put them behind the couch and the sofa. And we, we had to kill these little mice. And you would forget after you put that stuff out, you wouldn't even remember that you put out the mouse trap and put out the poison until about two or three weeks later. The house was smelling functified. And we knew something's dead up in here. Come on, move the refrigerator, move the couch. There is something stinking in this house. And we would find that mouse and try to get that thing out the house because dead stuff just stinks up your house. I don't like dead stuff. You know, I, I thought when I became an adult, I wouldn't deal with stinky stuff anymore. But at the Cooper house, we still got stinky stuff. You know, my, my wife's a sweetheart, and she would never say it to me. And I don't do it very often, but every once in a while, I forget to take the trash out on Thursday evening. So when the garbage truck comes on Friday, it gets picked up. And how many know whenever you leave trash in the garage for two or three weeks, it starts to stink. I mean, not stink, it starts to stink. I mean, you know that. And especially if you've got kids like me, and they're in diapers, and it's in the summertime, about 100 degrees, and the garage is about 120 and you parents know sometimes your son and daughter, when they poop, I don't mean to gross you out, but it ain't always hard stuff. It can be some liquid-fired, brownie, runny, kind of got some yellow in it. You know what I'm talking about? High and 120 degrees in that diaper. It's been in there two weeks. I mean, it starts to leak out the trash can. I mean, it is functified in the garage. And you take the trash can out and you bring it back in and your house still stinks because the poop is still in the bottom of the trash can. I mean, your house, I mean, I hate trash. I hate dirty diapers. I hate when I forget to take the trash can out because trash just stinks. And the Bible says the wages of sin is, is death. And dead stuff stinks. And some of you in this place, you wonder why your life stinks you wonder why your life is miserable because whenever you get engaged in the world's way, the Bible says the world's way only brings death. Your life starts to stink. Whenever you get trash in your life and you get junk in your life and you get filth in your life, all it does is stink up your life. And some of you in this place, you're miserable. Your life is stinking. Your life is functified because, listen, the wages of sin it's always death. There's a third thing that I want you to learn about the world's way. Number three is this. The world's way never satisfies. It never satisfies. The Bible says in Luke chapter 15 and verse number 14 about this prodigal sons. It says, after he had spent everything. 
That's what happens when you get involved with sin. It'll take you for everything that you're worth. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. He thought he was going to go have fun. He thought he was going to go and sow his wild oats. He thought he was going to go and have a good time. He thought he was going to go and this was going to benefit his life, and he found out sin is hard. It'll take you places you don't want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. It'll cost you more than you want want to pay and the bible says instead of being satisfied with his life the bible says he was in need because sin always puts you in need it never satisfies you and that's the thing that's so deceptive about doing things the world's way it looks so good it looks so satisfying but it never does satisfy the human heart i always find it very interesting when i see people that have achieved the american dream And they're still miserable. Because, friends, outwardly people can look so good and they have the American dream and they've got a career and they've got a house and a car and they got money in the bank and they can go vacationing and they have the American dream on the outside, but on the inside they are falling apart and they're miserable. We see it all the time in our society. People that on the outside you would say they have everything to live for and they overdose on pills and die. They, they, they look like they have everything to live for and their life is in shambles and they are miserable because, listen, sin, the world's way, it never satisfies. It's kind of like this can of Pringles. You know, the old Pringle commercial always said, once you pop, you can't stop. And that's what the world's way is like. That's what sin is like. Once you pop, you can't stop. You get the world's way and you say, you know what, my life's just going to be all about making money and my life's going to be all about having fun and partying and it looks so satisfying. And what you have to understand about the world's way is you start chasing after money, you just get greedy, you find out you're never satisfied. Once you pop, you can't stop. Oh, preacher, I just want to have a little fun, just having a little sex. You know, I know I'm not married, just doing my own thing. I'm having an affair. Hey, no, nobody really knows. I'm kind of hiding. It's not that big of a deal. I'm just trying to have just a little fun on the side. And what you don't understand is once you pop, you can't stop. I mean, I'm just looking at a little pornography at the workplace. I'm not doing it at home. I say, I still come to church. I, I sing the song. It's not that big of a deal. My spouse doesn't know. My, my parents don't know. I just in school, I pop in the library, check out a little internet a pornography. And what you have to understand is once you pop, you can't stop it. it. It never satisfies you. I mean, I'm just getting just a little drunk. I'm just getting just a little high, just having just a little fun. It's not that big of a deal. But what you have to understand about sin, it never satisfies. Once you pop, you can't stop. And you know, it looks so good. It smells so good. It tastes so good. But all sin never satisfies. It just keeps you. You're never, ever satisfied. And that's a deceptive thing about the world's way is it never does bring real satisfaction. There's a fourth thing that I want you to understand about the world's way, and that is this. The world's way takes you places you never dreamed you'd be. You never dreamed you'd be. Notice this in Luke chapter 15 and verse 15. Scripture says, So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him 
anything. Now you have to understand that this young man grew up in an affluent home. The Bible says that his father had servants and they had animals and livestock. Matter of fact, when he came back home, the father said, kill the fattened calf. I mean, he grew up in an affluent home and now this young man finds himself in the middle of a pig pen working, not making hardly any money because the Bible says he is starving. He's literally starving to death. Friends, can I tell you, if we were to talk to the prodigal son, when he was a little kid and you asked him what his dream was, you know how it is as a kid. You know, you say, when I grew up, I want to be this. Can I tell you that prodigal son, if you were to talk to him years before he was in the pig pen and you would ask him what his dream was for his life, he would have never said, my dream is to be in the middle of a pig pen working, starving to death. That's what I want for my life. He would have never said that. But whenever you get involved in doing things the world's way, it'll take you places you never dreamed you'd be. I, I've never one time, I haven't met one yet. I've never met one kid that I've talked to and asked that kid, what's your dream for your life? What do you see yourself doing when you grow up? I never met one kid yet that says, hey, you know what? When I grow up, I want to be a crackhead and I want to be in the cocaine house getting high. I mean, that's, I want to be addicted to drugs. That's what I want to do. I've never met one kid, not one. I've met one said that. I've never met one kid that says, when I grow up, I want to be a cheater and a liar. I want to embezzle from my company. I want to cheat and lie. I want to hurt people and I want to ultimately hurt myself. That's my dream for my life. That's my goal. I've never met one kid that said that. I've never met one little kid when you ask them what they want to do for, with their life. I've never met one kid that said, what I want to do with my life is I want to have an affair on my spouse. And I want to devastate them. I want to hurt my kids. And ultimately hurt my own family. That, that's, what my, that's my goal. For my, I've never met one person that said, you know, when I grow up, I want to be addicted to pornography. What's controlling my life. Controlling my, that, that, that's the goal for, I've never met one person that's ever said that. But yet, there are many people today in our world that are in that, in, they're in that very scenario. You say, Pastor, why? Because whenever you get involved in doing things the world's way, it'll take you places you never dreamed you'd be. Some of you are there right now. You're in the middle of a pig pen. You're miserable. You're in sin. You're in bondage. And you say, how in the world did I get here? I never intended to be where I am today. I never wanted to feel this miserable. I never wanted to be in a room this size with a crowd and still feel isolated and lonely. I never wanted to feel uh, burdened down with the yoke of sin. How did I get this way? I've never dreamed. That's what happens when you do things the world's way. It'll take you places you never dreamed you'd be. I want to turn this message right now because the prodigal son, it's a hopeful story. His life ended wonderfully. There was hope for this young man. And this young man experienced the opportunity of a lifetime. And today, if you're in the middle of a pig pen, today, if you're living a miserable life, I want to give you three keys to experience experiencing the opportunity of a lifetime. Listen to me today. You can experience the opportunity of a lifetime. You don't have to continue to live in the pig pen of life. Let me show you how to experience the opportunity of a lifetime. Number one is this. Realize there must be more than this. That prodigal son said in the middle of the pig pen in Luke 15, verse 17, when he came to his senses, that's some of the most powerful six words 
in this story. He came to his senses and he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He came to his senses. In other words, he said, there has to be more to life than this. I'm in the middle of a pig pen and I'm starving to death. There has to be more than life than this. I'm in the middle of the pig pen, broke, busted, and disgusted. There has to be more to life than this. I'm in the middle of the pig pen, isolated, with no friends. I'm miserable. There has to be more to life than this. Some of you today, on the outside, things look so great. But on the inside, that's what you're screaming in your heart. You're chasing after the dollar bill. You're consumed with greed. And you're still not satisfied. And you're saying to yourself, there has to be more than this. You're trapped in sexual bondage. And you're screaming in your heart, listen, I, the world says if I get this, if I do this, if I cheat this, if I'll, I'll be happy. And, and I'm still, there has to be, there has to be more than this. I look on the outside like I've got everything. I've got some money. I've got a car. I've got a house. And I'm miserable. And I'm, I'm lonely. Pastor, there has to be more to life than this. And I'll tell you, there is more to life. And life will never really make sense until you really surrender your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Friends, can I tell you, please hear me. You were created to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. And there's a place in your heart that'll never be satisfied. It'll never be satisfied with chasing the world's way. It'll never be satisfied with a dollar bill. It'll never be satisfied uh, with, with, with this or with that. The only thing that will satisfy the longing in your heart, the only thing that will satisfy there has to be more to life than this is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That brings real satisfaction. There, there's a second key to experiencing the opportunity of a lifetime. First of all, you have to realize there's more than this. Number two, realize forgiveness is for you. It's for you. It's not just for your neighbor. It's just not for your friend. It is for you. The scripture says in Luke 15 and verse 18, the prodigal son said, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Now notice verse 19. This is very key. I am no longer worthy. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So many people in our society today, and I've been there, they struggle with this very thing. I'm not worthy to receive God's forgiveness. I'm not worthy to experience the opportunity of a lifetime and have my sins washed away. You see, what you don't understand, pastors, I've messed up too bad. You don't know how I'm living. You don't know the secret lies that I'm doing. You have no idea how I've blown it big time. And this prodigal son, he said, I am not worthy to be called your son. I'm not worthy to be a child of God. And what I want you to realize is none of us are worthy. I'm not worthy. You're not worthy. None of us are worthy to have our sins forgiven. Listen, I've blown it big time. I've messed up big time. And if it wasn't for a loving, gracious, forgiving Heavenly Father, I would still be trapped in a world of sin 
but he's a forgiving God. And you are worthy to receive his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy, no matter what you've done. I want to show you very quickly from the prodigal son. I want to show you the father's heart. I want to show you God's heart when it comes to forgiving you, when it comes to forgiving me. The Bible says in Luke 15 and verse number 20, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Now notice this. He was filled with compassion for him. The father was not mad at him because he had sinned, because he was sleeping with prostitutes, because he wasted all of his money and wild living. No, the Bible says his father was filled with compassion. God is filled with compassion when he sees hurting people, lonely people, hurting people. And the Bible says he had so much compassion that he ran to his son, threw his arms around this nasty, filthy, stinking son of his. He threw his arms around him and kissed him because the father is full of compassion. For you and I, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy. I'm not worthy to be called your son. I'm not worthy to be your child. Verse 22, what the father said to his servant, quick, bring the best robe and put it on, his, and put it on him. God always wants the best for his kids. Bring the best when you serve God, when you give your life to God. He wants the best for your life. He wants to bless your life. The Bible says, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine. Notice what he said. The son says, I'm not worthy to be a son. The father says, you're missing it. It's not about you being worthy. He says, this son of mine, you're my son. I'm a forgiving father. And this son of mine was lost, but is now found. He was dead, but is now alive. Friends, hear me today. God loves forgive us. He loves to wash away our sins. Listen to me, no matter what you've done, no matter how you've blown it, God loves to give us a brand new start. He's a gracious God. He's a compassionate God. He's a forgiving God. And today, no matter what you've done, no matter what you experienced in your life, today you can, you can experience the opportunity of a lifetime and have all your sins, all your junk, all your trash washed away and begin to live a new life in Jesus Christ. Here's how I want to illustrate this with you today. There's a man in our church who had blown it big time. He was here last night in, in service and he had lived a horrible life. But this man experienced the grace, the mercy, the life-changing power of our Heavenly Father. He experienced the opportunity of a lifetime. All his mistakes were washed away. He experienced a real forgiveness that only comes through Jesus Christ. And I want to show you this real life testimony. Check out this video. Growing up, I, I did grow up in the church, but I never really accepted Christ as, 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 a, as a true believer. I believed in God, I believed in forgiveness of sins, and. Uh, but I never really um, took it in. When I came off active duty in 99, I mean, uh, I had been down some hard roads with drugs before and I knew better. And uh, life just got hectic and crazy. And uh, I started uh, doing methamphetamines and uh, it, it tore my family up. It, it, tore, it tore my family, it tore my, my immediate family apart. My, my, ex-wife and uh, we divorced over it. I nearly lost my two children over the divorce. It tore my parents apart, it tore my grandparents apart, it tore my friends apart. I mean, 
I would go for weeks and, and months without talking to them, and they didn't know if I was alive or dead. The devastation that it had on the people around me was just un unbelievable. I mean, I have such a loving and, and Christian family, and uh, they, they prayed a lot for me, and they knew that eventually, the way I was, I was just gonna have to hit rock bottom. The final thing was I ended up in jail, and uh, <clears throat> that's the most rock bottom place I'd ever been. Because of what I'd done, I, death would have been great for me. I was wishing it on myself, you know. I wasn't the kind of person that would go out and kill myself, but I did. I would just wish a truck would have accidentally ran me over, or I'd crash and die, just, just anything to end the misery that I was going through. Fortunately, I have some very spiritual family and friends that did a lot of praying through those times, even though I didn't want to have anything to do with them, you know, I was, I was embarrassed from the things that I'd done. When I came to the point of, of being a true believer in God and, and sitting down and thinking of the things that I've done in my past, the sins that I've committed, and I asked for forgiveness of these things, and I truly was praying to God that He take these sins out of my life and, and, and take this weight off my shoulder. And uh, once I asked for forgiveness from God, it's, it's hard to explain the feeling that I had, but it was a physical and a spiritual and emotional feeling that it was just the most wonderful experience that I believe I've ever had in my life. And uh, it was for years, for years and years, I just carried this heavy load on my back. And it was just like somebody was standing on my chest and it, like it was hard to breathe and it, I had this weight bearing me down and these sins forever and I couldn't, I couldn't let go of them myself. I knew that God was a forgiving God, but I never felt that I deserved to be forgiven for the things that I had done in my life. God's Almighty, and if He can forgive me, who am I? I'm just a, a sinful man. Who am I that I can't forgive myself if God, the, the King of all kings can forgive me for the bad things that I've done. Well, I should be able to do the same thing. I know that a lot of people are going through the same things that I went through, and they think there's there's ne there'll never be an end to it. And but God is truly forgiving, and you just have to accept that He forgives no matter how big or how small you think the sin is. See, forgiveness, it's not about you. It's not about being men worthy. 
It's about what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. You'll never be good enough to earn forgiveness. I'll never be good enough to earn forgiveness. It's simply that Jesus Christ hung on a cross, the Son of God, and He died and He shed His blood. And today we can experience the opportunity of a lifetime and our sins, our junk, our filth can be washed away and you can have a second chance at life because of Jesus Christ. I close with this last point. Point number three. Church, realize you can go home. You can go home. The prodigal son said in Luke chapter 15 and verse number 18, I will set out and go back to my father. And I love what he says. He's, he's just talking to himself. I'm going to go back to my father. But what I really love is verse 20. The Bible says, so he got up and went to his father. He didn't just talk about it. He acted on it. And he got up and he went back home to his father. He went just like he was. Broken, hurting, filthy, nasty. But he came to his father just like he was. And he experienced the opportunity of his life, of a lifetime. And his father forgave him, hugged him, kissed him, and celebrated because his child had come back home. Sir, ma'am, some of you have been saying a long time, one day I'm going to serve God. You've been saying a long time, I've been living this lifestyle that I've been living for a long time. And, and one day I'm going to turn my life over to Jesus Christ. You've been talking like that for a long time. Would you be like the prodigal son today? Would you actually respond to God? Would you respond to his love today? Would you, would you respond in your heart and say, God, I surrender my heart and my life to you today? Listen, today's your day. Don't say next week, next year. Don't say five years from now. Today is your day to experience the opportunity of a lifetime. He died on the cross that you could experience eternal life and right on this earth you can experience life and life more abundantly forgiveness is for you lord thank you for your word today thanks for your presence in this place today i thank you today lord that men and women no matter what they've done and lord we've blown it big time there are some folks in this place that they blew it last night they've been living a wild and a loose lifestyle and i thank you today that they're going to turn their life over to you they're going to turn their heart over to you and you're going to show them mercy. You're going to show them grace. You're a compassionate and loving God. And I thank you, Lord, that you take us out of our pig pen experiences and you forgive us and you give us a second chance at living a life, a life that will honor and bring glory to your name. Thank you today for working in this place in Jesus' name. As eyes are still closed, heads are bowed in this place. You say, Pastor, wow, this was for me. I'm in the middle of the pig pen right now. I'm not living for Jesus Christ. I'm doing my own thing. I'm living my own way. I know a lot about church. I know a lot about God. I know a lot about religion. But Jesus Christ is not the Lord of my life. I, I'm, I'm following after the world's ways. I'm doing things the world's way. And there's distance between me and my Heavenly Father. And you're here today and you want to be forgiven. You want to turn away from the life you're living and turn your life over to Jesus Christ. Today you're here and you need a second chance. 
You need to experience God's grace and mercy. You need to experience the opportunity of a lifetime. You need to experience forgiveness, true forgiveness that only comes through Jesus Christ. As you respond to God today, there's going to be a weight lifted off your shoulders as God's grace and mercy and His blood and His forgiveness covers your life and gives you a second chance. As I count to three, you're here. And you say, Pastor, I want to go to heaven, not hell. I want to serve God, not the devil. I want to live in peace and not in turmoil. I want to live a life of victory and not of defeat. I want to experience forgiveness through Jesus Christ. As I count to three, raise your hand high. And God is going to show you His grace, His mercy, and His compassion today. One, two, three. I see some hands in this middle section. Others today. Four or five hands here. Thank you. Hands here. Thank you so much. See four or five, six hands over here. Thank you. Others today. You'll lift your hand today. You want your sins forgiven. I see your hand over here. Thank you so much. Others, another hand here. Thank you. I see your hand, ma'am, today. Others today. I see your hand there. Others today. You want to respond to God. You need forgiveness. You're in the middle of a pig pen right now. Your life is miserable. I see your hand there. Thank you so much. Is there somebody else today? You want your sins to be forgiven. I see your hand there. Is there somebody else today? You want to experience God's grace and mercy. Are there others today that will join? I see your hand there. Thank you. Others today that will join these 20 or so hands. Lift it. I see your hand there. Thank you. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. I'm not worthy. None of us are worthy. Pastor, I was doing it last night. I sinned last night. I blew it. Last. It doesn't matter what you've done. He's a forgiving God. If you'll turn your life over to him, is there somebody else right now you'll slip your hand up and say I need forgiveness I need to give my life to Jesus Christ I want him to be the Lord of my life is there somebody else in this place today you want to surrender your heart and your life to Jesus Christ is there someone else I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 9 if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead you shall be saved pray this prayer with me right now and God's going to wash away your sins pray with me now Jesus I realize that I've sinned against you But I do believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose again on the third day. And Jesus, I turn away from my life and the worldly ways. And I turn my life over to you. I confess you today as the Lord of my life. Jesus, thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.